All right. Well, it's good to see you today. Hope that you've had a a good week so far. Uh, we're now. This is our Thursday edition of our journey through Scripture. If you remember, uh, we talked about Solomon and him building the temple and all that went into that, and and how his fame and wisdom and wealth was just growing and growing. He was very successful uh, early on in, uh, as king of Israel, um, and now we're going to to switch books. We were in Kings. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes the next um, two times. So today we're going to read Ecclesiastes chapters 1 through 6. So Ecclesiastes 1 through 6 today, and then we'll go uh, 7 through 12 um, um, on Tuesday. But it's Ecclesiastes is very interesting, and it's it's interesting to put it in this place. We we. We obviously don't know exactly when it was written. There's some discussion whether it was Solomon who wrote it um, or someone who wrote it for Solomon. Um, you know, there's some of those little debates that we don't know uh, for sure, but clearly it's associated with King Solomon, and uh, and I think he probably probably wrote this. And it, it's a very different book, and it's actually a, a depressing. Uh, book, and we have to be be careful that that we don't that that we don't miss the hope that we see even in Ecclesiastes, um, because it was clearly written at a place where uh, Solomon was was reflecting on the reality of life, and he was seeing lots of uncomfortable um, <laughs> reality around him. Now, I. I actually really like the book of uh, Ecclesiastes. Um, maybe that's because I, I'm I'm a very rational uh, kind of. I, I I tend to maybe tend to be a uh, I, I try to be a a, a a rational optimist, right? But so that that means that rationally I see the negative that is out there, but I I choose to to see hope in the midst of it as well. Um, but I I think it's. One of the things that's instructive to me about Ecclesiastes um, is that we, we do need to kind of recognize our place in the world, um, recognize the the reality of the world around us, recognize the unfairness of the world around us. That is the human condition because of sin and sinfulness. Uh, we are going to see that. There is nothing that humans can do to eliminate all suffering, all inequity, um, all unfairness, uh, all injustice. We would like to be able to do that, but we can't. Um, it is that is part of the sinful human condition, and and I think it's important that we balance the what is what is true and and the uncomfortable truths of reality um, with trying and striving to do better. Right, we we do both of those things. I do think it's very dangerous if you start uh, thinking that that we have the power to eliminate some of these problems that are caused by human sinfulness. Um, and the book of Ecclesiastes does a, a good job of, uh, of, of recognizing um, <laughs> the, the challenges of life and the reality of life. It starts off in chapter one, and uh, the, uh, the Bible that I'm using, I think it's the New King James, but it's, it's the chronological Bible that I'm, that I'm using. Um, <laughs> It actually it starts off. It says, "Vanity of vanities," says the preacher. "Vanity of vanities, all is vanity." Now that is um, 
not encouraging. Uh, the NIV says meaningless, meaningless. Uh, <laughs> life is meaningless, right? That, that everything is meaningless. Now, that's a that's a harsh thing. Obviously, that's that's not completely true. That's where this writer, uh, where Solomon is feeling as he's looking out at the world, as he's looking at all of his wealth and things like that, and and the things that 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 wealth doesn't provide him. He's kind of saying, "Wow, that makes it sound feel like things are meaningless." Right? So he he goes on. He says, "What profit has man from all his labor in which he toils on the sun? One generation passes away, and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises; the sun goes down." So he and he keeps kind of going at, at that uh, in that uh, way. Says man cannot express it. The eyes not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been uh, is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which may be said? See, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. Okay, so he is recognizing kind of the the patterns of life. And that it doesn't matter how important he is, that guess what? He's going to die, right? And, and all of the, the things that he has uh, achieved will be meaningless, will be technically nothing, right? Because he will not, not be here. And then he, he recognizes a, a very important truth is there is nothing new under the sun, right? We think there's new things and, and, but, but really, <laughs> History repeats itself. Human nature repeats itself. Those those are the types of things we're talking about. That there's nothing new under the sun, um, and and he's recognizing this kind of pattern of life, um, and and acknowledges, man, sometimes it feels like all of this is meaningless, um, and 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 when we're gonna flesh this out a little bit, and I, and I hope that you'll you'll benefit from it as you read through this. Don't get depressed. Just recognize that that he is stating some some very harsh realities uh, of life. Um, and starting there in in verse twelve uh, through eighteen is kind of he's talking about how wise he is um, and and uh, the the wisdom that he has. And he says, "What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered." And then uh, verse eighteen: For in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge knowledge increases sorrow. Now, we we would like to think that that's not true, but the reality is that it, it is true. I mean, the the more that we gain in wisdom and understanding who God is and what God desires for us, then we actually see the hurt and the suffering uh, around us much clear, more clearly. You know, as as a pastor, you know, you you do so much to convey what what God has laid on your heart and trying to encourage people uh, to to take hold uh, of of a relationship with God, and you're sharing this this what what I believe is godly wisdom um, with, them, uh, with them. And many people, there will be people that do, that, that hear what you say and, um, and, and recognize, no, I, I do need to live my life for God. I need to, to change some things in my life. But then as a pastor, we also see all the people who don't, right? Um, the, the people who, who won't uh, listen to, to what God is trying uh, to convey to them. And it, 
it can be very diff- difficult. And there's times that you kind of feel like saying meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Why am I doing this? Well, we know why we're doing this. We're doing this because this is what God has called us to do. But that doesn't mean that we're always going to achieve human ideas of, of success, right? And and I, I think that's one of the things that, that Solomon is getting to here, is that his meaning and his purpose is not going to be found in all of his accolades. He's experienced all of that, and yet he still feels like life is meaningless. Chapter 2, uh, he talks about uh, a pleasure. Um, he says, what... Uh, Come now, I will test you with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely it was also vanity. Um, it says, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold of folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven for all the days of my life. And then it continues, says, I made my works great, built houses, planted myself vineyards, made gardens, orchards, planted all kinds of fruit trees, made water pools from water, uh, growing trees uh, from the grove. I acquired male and female servants. I had servants uh, born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. Um, I gathered all of this stuff. It says, so I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eye desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity." And grasping for the wind, there was no prophet under the sun. Right. So what he's saying, he's recognizing, I had everything. I I had everything you could possibly buy, everything to fulfill pleasure, everything to make life easy. And yet that did not provide meaning. Okay. And this is such an important concept for us because we... Our society is constantly trying to convince us that if we had a little bit more, if we had a little better job, if we had a little better house, if we had a little bit more money in the bank account, uh, if we had a little more prestige, uh, if we had a few more followers on Facebook, if we had uh, you know, a few more likes on Instagram, that life would be better and that we would find meaning. All of that is garbage, and it is a dangerous lie from society around us. And it's used to cause division, right? I mean, there's clear divisions between, between the, the, the rich and the poor. And, and, and that's, that, that is at every level, right? Uh, it doesn't matter where you are. I guess, unless I'm speaking to Elon Musk or Bill Gates or something like that. Um, if, if I'm speaking to you, there is someone who has more than you, right? And if you, think that you're going to find meaning by getting to that person's level. It doesn't matter if you reach that level or surpass it. You will not find meaning. You will not be happier. And that is a lie that is destroying people because the first thing you need to do is to be able to find meaning where you are. Does that mean that you don't strive to, to, to accomplish things and strive to improve your life? Of course not. But if you think that you're, you're going to find, if, if you're not happy and if you can't find joy with where you are right now, with the stuff that you have right now, I promise getting more stuff or more accompli- 
accomplishments or accolades is not going to provide meaning. That is a harsh reality, and and people will scoff at it and and say, well, if if I had X amount of money and didn't have to worry about finances and stuff, my life would be so much better. Okay, maybe it would be nice to not worry about finances, but guess what? It will not make you happy. It will not give you meaning. And I just encourage you to think about that because um, here is Solomon who had everything. And he is he's at a place where he's like, there is not meaning in any of this. Um, continues on uh, there in, in uh, chapter 2, it says, verse 17, Therefore I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me, for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Right? He, he's like, his focus is in the wrong spot. He's thinking that all of this stuff will bring meaning, and he's realizing that it won't. It says, uh, verse 24, Nothing is better for a man than he that he should eat or drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat or what? who can have uh, enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to the man who is good in his sight. Right, so, so you start seeing the truth. Yes, this book is focused on the meaningless, but it throws these within uh, throughout that, wait, it is God who brings joy. It is God who, who, who brings hope for those who are good, for those who are uh, striving to live for him. Um, uh, verse 14 of chapter three, uh, or verse 12, it says, I know that nothing is better for uh, better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. The, it is a gift of God, right? So it's saying nothing better than to rejoice, do good in your life, and enjoy your labor, right? Whatever you do, do it fully into uh, the Lord, right? Don't try to get your meaning from your profession or from your job. This is a subtle thing, but it's very important. I think sometimes we've gone too far in telling people, well, find, find a job that gives you meaning and purpose. That there's some truth to that, you know, do something that, that you, that you enjoy that fits your strengths and your, uh, your passions and stuff. Yes, that's great. But if you ever think that you're going to find your purpose based in your specific profession, you're walking a dangerous, a dangerous tightrope there. Um, uh, work is important and it contributes to meaning and purpose, but it is not the sole driver of finding that. Um, and I think that's vital for us to understand. Verse 14, it says, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him that which he has already been and what has uh, what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. Again, recognizing God is is the one that is behind all of this, that he is greater than all of this. He is the one who gives us meaning, uh, and we need to, to recognize uh, that. See, uh, verse four, uh, chapter 4 uh, talks about just recognizing the injustice in the world. It says, And look, the tears of the oppressed, but they have no comforter. On the side of their oppressors there is power, but they have no comforter. 
Therefore, I praise the dead who were already dead more than the living who are still alive. Yet better than both is he who has never existed, who has not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. You may say, oh, how depressing. But if you look honestly at some of the evil that is out there, sometimes we feel this way. It's like, oh, is it? Is it even worth it? And the answer, of course, is yes. But we are going to have those times that we feel this way. And it's also important to recognize this is the reality of the life we live in, that there are those who are oppressed and that the oppressors many times have the power and don't seem to be held to account. This is a part of human, of sinful human nature. And it's one that we need to work to eliminate as much as we can, but we will never eliminate it fully because it is, it is bigger than us. Um, and, and Solomon is recognizing that. Uh, I love verse nine, uh, in chapter four. This kind of just some, he'll throw in kind of some proverbs, some words of wisdom. Uh, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, I, I believe this is a wonderful picture of, of marriage, but it can, it's a good picture of, of relationships in general, that we were created to be in relationship with other people. Uh, especially, I, I love the image here of the, the three-corded rope, right? The husband and the wife, and then God as the, the three who hold together that relationship. Um, you know, that, that God is has to be part of that relationship for it to be strong um, and, and for you to be able to be a benefit to other people. Um, chapter five, um, t- talks about keeping vows. Do not be rash with your mouth. Do not let your heart under anything hastily before God for God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, um, uh, con- continues, uh, to, to go on again, words of wisdom, uh, verse 10, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity or meaningless. Uh, the sleep of laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Right? Uh, there is a severe evil, which I have seen under the sun riches kept for though for their owner, uh, to his hurt, but those riches perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. And he came from his mother's womb naked. Shall he return to go as he came and he shall take nothing from his labor, which may uh, carry away in his hand. Again, so important words of wisdom for us to understand um, that 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 we we don't need to be caught up in trying to find our meaning and purpose and joy in things of this world. It doesn't mean that we don't participate in the ways of this world and that we don't strive to to better our lives, to better our families' lives. Uh, but if that's where you're putting all of your uh, all, all the all your marbles in that <laughs> in trying to uh, to to find happiness and hope in the ways of this world you're going to be in trouble and and i think we see that a lot uh even within the church um you know people thinking that they're going to find um contentment uh in in things of this world um rather than in their relationship with god that is where we find our meaning and our purpose. 
So I want you to go ahead and read uh, Ecclesiastes 7 uh, through the, the very end. Uh, so it's uh, 7 through 12, I believe. Um, so, so read uh, the, the rest of Ecclesiastes, uh, and we will talk about that on Tuesday. Hope you have a great weekend.